This is the Comedy Kiosk, podcast by Monday and Munoz. Please welcome Monday and Munoz. Welcome to the Comedy Kiosk, a podcast in which we discuss news, ideas and opinions about comedy. I'm David Munoz. And I'm Igor Monday. And today's topic is called Like Riding a Bike. Basically, we're going to be discussing getting rusty. So this topic is really about you, Igor, because you're becoming shit at comedy, aren't you? Well, okay, thank you. <laughs> I mean, we don't know that. That's that's what I'm afraid of. But that's the uh, Schrodinger's cat moment here now, huh? Yeah, it's the Monday's Monday's joke kind of moment. You don't know until you do it. Will they laugh yeah. or will, will they not laugh? But basically, I was thinking we could talk about this because it's been a while since I've done a live show. Now it's been exactly three months at this mm. point and by the time i do another show so i have a show scheduled for mid-august and then i'm doing two weeks of fringe so basically i'll do a show every day but until then it's going to be full four months between my last set and my next set so mm -hmm. i'm thinking you know like am i rusty will i be rusty when i get on stage am i still Man. witty and fast and can i still remember my jokes and stuff then i also started thinking about other skills that we obtain and develop you know in our life and how can we actually keep those skills and maintain those skills yeah. and do we and you know and it all ties back to that kind of like riding a bike expression which is yeah. you know is it like that when you learn a skill you can do it forever even riding yeah. a bike. I don't know. I'm not sure that's how it works. Yeah. And also the level of skill required. I mean, riding a bike is once you got the balance and the, you know, pedal, that's it. Like, you know, and handlebars, really, there's like three little factors. That's easy enough. But you're looking at something that's a bit more complicated, then it might change. I have a quick question I want to ask you, though. Would you say that a big part of that for you, a small part of that fear, or not at all, related to the fact that you are going to be going for the first time to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Actually, that's that's what really helps me. That's the, the part that if it was if I was doing, I don't know, like uh, let's say five solo shows around Europe or something, traveling for a month, or I don't know, if I was doing some kind of tour or something, I would be more afraid because yeah. because it's fringe, I'm kind of thinking, okay, I'll be doing it every day, and that's the best way to get on that get back on that horse is to kind of just do it again, you know. And since yeah. fringe is, I guess, very forgiving, at least that's how I see it, because every evening you just have a different crowd, and you know they, and it's going to be like a showcase. I'm not going to be the only one there. So even if I yeah. mess it up for the first two, three, five days, you know, it doesn't mean that the show is going to be bad and stuff. So I'm actually glad that it's fringe rather than some kind of, you know, big shows, paid shows, touring or something like this. So that's actually helping me with this fear. The problem is before I go to Fringe, I'm doing a solo show for like, I don't know, an hour, just yeah. a day before I go to Fringe. And that's the one that I'm more afraid of because I'm thinking, you know, yeah. like, what if I can't keep their attention? What if I can't be yeah. sharp and witty and, uh, you know, quick on my feet and stuff as I used to be when I performed like regularly every weekend, every week, yeah. a few times a week, etc. Yeah. yeah, and I would say, I think another skill 
The one that I, I think scares me the most, and I, I don't want to put the idea in your head because you'll be like, shit, I thought about that. Crap. But for me, it's- It's okay. It's my, my anxiety can take it. Go for it. Okay, good. Uh, it's uh, reading the room, like getting the feel for the room. You know what I mean? Like that sort of like where you click. When you click with the room, then all of a sudden it all just meshes nicely. It's like two cogs coming together. But when you don't, you can't read the room, you then can't mesh with it. You can't, you know- the two cogs can't match and then it just it's a jarring it's a stuttering sort of experience where you just feel like you can ah you can't get into it can't get into the groove well i think that's the part of that you know experience of performing regularly especially yeah. regularly and maybe to different rooms or different clubs or something like this because you really yeah. i would say yeah the, the skill to yeah. properly read the room, to see what they would be up for, what they wouldn't be up for, and to give them some kind of, you know, uh, natural, comfortable experience rather than, you know, like going with something completely opposite of what they would expect or what they came to hear. But also yeah. that confidence, you know, like, because when you do it regularly and you're like, okay, they laughed at this joke two days ago, they laughed at this joke yesterday, they're going to fucking yeah. laugh today as well. So you know kind of what works, you know how to handle yourself, you're coming there with, you know, uh, some kind of confidence and, and posture that says, yeah, I've done this like five days in a row, I'm good, I'm good to go. And they feel yeah. it, they really kind of feed off of that and they can match that vibe as well. But when you come on the stage and you're insecure and you're thinking like, uh, Will I be okay? Will I forget my joke? Am I rusty? Am I did I lose yeah. that charm? Did I lose that wit? Then, you know, I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid that I'll kind of challenge myself and then I'll get challenged by the audience as well. Yeah. Well, it's like when we discussed ages ago, one of our earlier first podcasts about, you know, be, what makes a comedian or being a comedian and stuff like that, or the advice we'd give. And, and I said, like, the main one, like, if I had to give any starting comedian their first piece of advice, and, and now I'm giving you this advice because you're sounding like a first-time comedian, like a little bitch. Thank you. <laughs> uh, from the beginning, uh, is own the stage. you got to learn to own the stage. And that's what it sounds like. It sounds like you're afraid that you won't be able to own that stage. Like, you'll go up there as the new guy as the 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 untested and and uh, the insecure so you know it's about like getting yourself comfortable to being in on a stage and saying i own a stage and like a true pro is someone who can get up on any stage and they can own that stage like it doesn't have to be a stage they've been on before which is for example where i recently did an open mic which is the first time i've done an open mic in a long long time like a proper proper tuesday night open mic because i can't make it usually tuesday nights i, I really can't because of work but at this point, um, I did it and it was like, yeah, that first feeling of getting on stage because I hadn't been on that stage for. Obviously, I'm, I'm still not at pro status. Like I, I still didn't feel quite like I owned that stage. I got there with confidence. I, I started up. But deep down, there was a little part of me that's like, oh, yeah, this stage is a little bit smaller. This is not like the brother stage, which I've been doing a bit. You know, it's like this is the cafe stage. And it's like, oh, right, little room. Yes, I was enjoying it. I was liking it. But at the same time, I think I did well, but at the same time, I felt a little bit like, yeah, a real pro would get up and be like, this is my stage. Fuck it. Even if I've never been here before. Like when we invite those those foreigners, you know, the foreign comedians to come perform, we can put them on any stage. Boom. That's their, that's their room. It's their room the moment they walk up, you know? Yeah. But that also comes with, you know, years of experience, first of all, but mm -hmm. also like back to back 
shows and performing. If you did that stage every Tuesday, then you would be more comfortable on that stage because that's the stage that you are familiar with yeah. and you know it. Or if you did any show or stage twice a week, then you would just yeah. get that feeling of, okay, I'm okay with any room. Just put me on any yeah. stage, I'll be fine. Every stage yeah. is just a backdrop for my jokes and for your audience's reaction. It's just there to, yeah. you know, to have some physical space. So uh, I think that's the that's the difference because at the moment, after not doing any shows for three months, I even, I think, lost that kind of feeling of what does it mean to be on stage you know like when mm. because when you when you're doing it regularly you take it for granted i've been doing it for seven years and i think i've never missed more than maybe a month or two of performing and that was kind of if i go on vacation holiday something like this and i don't perform for like a month month and a half as soon as i'm yeah. back somewhere where there's a stage boom doing shows again or during uh, the pandemic but even that i think two weeks into the pandemic we already organized the online shows and started performing online it's not the same yeah. experience it's not on a stage it's not with a room full of people but you're still publicly telling jokes to someone who's listening so we still manage yep. to somehow practice that skill and sharpen that skill but i remember by the time we got to do the first live show again everyone was rusty as fuck it's been only <laughs> like three months maybe even less that we haven't done a live show and we did we opened with a big show kind of welcome back best yeah. of show with i don't know like five or six most experienced comics and everyone was rusty as fuck like people really came out just to have a good time to laugh and, and so on but we yeah. you know we tested a lot of new jokes we got used to maybe that online response where people send likes and smiley faces instead of actually laughing when everyone is on yeah. mute not to disturb you and whatever whatever and we just forgot what is it to be to what is it what does it mean to be in a real room with real live people and and you know so i'm kind of afraid of that as well that i i forgot what does it feel to be on stage and to have like all eyes on you and the spotlight on you and you have a mic in yeah. your hand and this is this is you this is you now so every mm -hmm. moment everything you do is like under a microscope and you know everyone sees everything you do because i mean even the podcast we have it recorded in like two months or something uh we yeah. had some episodes in the bank that we recorded back in the day and you know even just joking with someone like as banter like as we are we as an intro to this episode we spent i don't know an hour just chatting and bantering and it's yeah. already something that i i haven't done in like two months yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, anyway, that's why uh, I remember when we first discussed, like, you know, like, oh, yeah. So, and I said, yeah, let's just, you know, chat for a little while, whatever. Like, we'll catch up when we sit. Because I thought we will need a little while for us to kind of get back into this groove and and talking to a microphone and, and, and just, you know, feeling that sort of vibe or whatever. Yeah, no, I definitely, uh, yeah, I, I get what you mean. Now, to go back to the original point, though, of uh, the skills required and things like that and, you know, the, the phrase, like riding a bike. So this is a common phrase in English. It's used in Croatian. I think it's in Russian. It's in it's in many different languages. Uh, using if there is another expression, maybe used in the country that you live in uh, or are from, please let us know in the comments or somehow like pass on because I'd be really curious to know if there's other versions like maybe you know it's it's like you know spoon feeding a, a crocodile and you're like wait what <laughs> it's like huh but. You know, some other expression. That's an so expression only is, only in Florida, I think. <laughs> no, it, then it would be alligator, spoon feeding alligator. You're oh, right, it's, yeah. oh, my bad. Yeah, sorry for mixing else. up do, those two very different animals. 
Uh, I mean, it's chalk and cheese, buddy. Chalk and cheese. So we were thinking about other things that you have learned, whatever. Like, for example, for me, a different, if someone were to say, like, I used to play the saxophone, right? And if someone said, oh, it's like playing the saxophone, that's a whole different thing. Because I would remember, I remember like the finger holes, like which fingering to use for notes, but I'm not sure if I remember the name of the note correctly. So I'm I'm 100% sure I still remember the D, how to do a D, but if you uh, gave me a C, I'm not 100% sure of the C. But I remember there's fingerings, certain fingerings that I know, like the G, the C, I'm pretty good at. Um, the A, yeah, B, I think I might not remember that one. I'm sorry, I really, is, I, I can't keep a straight face while you're describing fingering a C, a B, uh, be really good at finding the G, uh, but not yeah. so familiar with the D. I just, I just can't keep a straight face. I know you're just talking <laughs> about playing a saxophone, but, but come on. <laughs> what? I have no idea what you're talking about, Igor. You filthy, filthy little bugger. Now back to the B, you bugger. But the thing is, I don't remember the name of the note, so maybe I'll be like, "Oh, this is a C," and you're like, "No, Dave, that's." That's totally a G. That's a G. Oh, shit. Like, I'm doing the wrong fingering. You know, I'm hitting the wrong note. So the point is that (laughs) this is kind of the issue. So, yeah, I could play you hot cross buns because I remember the fingering for hot cross buns. I think I know the notes. I'm not sure if I've named them correctly or not. But um, the the point is that I could definitely, I I think I could play it. No, no definite. I'm about 70, 80% sure that I know how to play it because it's three notes, but any other song, tune, whatever, I I couldn't. I couldn't. I, I could probably fiddle around with a saxophone and make some interesting little tunes, but I wouldn't remember how to play a song. So I think that would take me uh, a couple of months of playing with a music book, relearning everything. I would probably require another six months to to remember most of it and then it might take me another six months to kind of start getting back to a real how i used to be maybe but then it's been probably 30 years since i've played a saxophone 30 years now oh my god so depressing since i've even held a saxophone so if you were to say like playing a saxophone i'm like yeah that's gonna take some some work to get back into you know what i mean not like riding a bike like like having sex like you know that Pretty sure I know how to do that, even if I took a 30-year break. Pretty sure I know the fundamentals for that one. Well, for that one, if you don't know the fundamentals, even the first time you're doing it, if you, do, if you don't know the fundamentals, then you're you're really messing it up, buddy. You're like, does it go yeah. in the year? Where does this go? But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, even the this like what ra- do I finger? The 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 C or the B? The C. Um, oh my God, where's the B? The C or what the A? What is the B? Yeah. yeah. What is the B? What is the B? I never but, heard of that before. But uh, I mean, even the like riding a bike expression, because I yeah. think it's one of those things when you're learning how to ride a bike, you're not really really learning how to ride a bike. You're learning how to keep balance. You're kind yes. of training your inner ear not to kind of panic and fall to one side. So you're just learning how to keep balance. And then that same skill can help you while, I don't know, ice skating, roller, roller skating, skateboarding, whatever kind of, you know, sport or, or activity where you need to keep balance. And that's that's what you're actually learning. Just like pedaling in circle and, you know, turning left and right. It's not really mm-hmm. 
you know, a skill you learn. You learn how to stay on the bike. That's the well, main issue. Exactly. So I, it's I think, the balance. Yeah, you're not learning how to ride a bike. You're learning how to deal with balance. And once you have that, I think, yeah, if you sit on a bike after 30 years, you'll still have the balance because that's... Because you use it in other fields. Yeah, you, of course. You don't just use the balance only for a bicycle and nothing else. You're just fine-tuning something you already have because we already have balance. You can walk, you can you know do stuff without the bicycle. Before you learn how to ride a bicycle, you already know how to walk. So... You hope, but <laughs> Mostly, so you know you know. you've got you've got the balance. All you're really doing is you're just fine tuning that balance to a certain device. But once you've fine tuned it, you know you've honed it, you've got it, and you've used it probably for other stuff. Like you know, if you did tightrope walking, if you rode a, a skateboard, if you do whatever, you know that sort of thing. So when you get back on the bicycle, yeah, you're just getting back to that more honed feeling. And I think it's it would be the it would just it wouldn't take you very long it'd take you a few pedals maybe a couple of meters cup maybe 100 meters or so before you finally went oh yeah 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 right 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 cuz like you said it's fine tuning it's getting that inner ear to, to kind of find that balance that you were again you know yeah well i mean that's why this expression is very specific because even i think if you said oh it's like driving a car it's already i think a skill you can oh, lose shit. because you oh, yeah. you lose oh, how yeah, to, like you lose let's say spatial awareness you lose this kind of Maybe yeah. aggression that you have in driving. Maybe, you know, like... And also, just... if you're doing manual, like, you know, at what point the clutch and the brake, when you're lifting one and switching one to the other, you know, when you're, you're supposed to be, what, lifting... You're supposed to slowly lift off the the clutch while you take the brake off quicker or some shit like that. Like, but you're changing gears like that. If you're doing manual even harder, like finding that sweet spot. And then every car is slightly different. Once every stage is slightly different, every car is slightly different. It's finding that fine tune, like where you ease one pedal off slightly more than the other, a little bit quicker, and that that the in between space. Well, I guess that's like comedy, maybe because when you're mm. an experienced enough driver, you can sit in any car and drive it yeah. well. Maybe you can drive yep. your own car the best, but you can sit in yep. any car and drive it well, no matter what's the like. Is it? diesel yeah. or is it uh, petrol no matter is yeah. it and within five know. to ten minutes you're probably yeah. like you so, found all the sweet spots yeah so it's like you know you can come into any comedy club or on climb any stage get on any stage and do a good set of performance once you kind of get acclimated to that stage or whatever so in that sense i would say that the expression wouldn't even work if it was like, oh, it's like driving a car. So I guess riding a bike is maybe the, even swimming or something like this. You also learn how to do it. But if you don't do it for 20 years, you could be a bit like wonky and kind of afraid and, you know, not not have that. <laughs> drifting to the left. You're always drifting to the left. Yeah. Maybe you're <laughs> waving your left hand a bit, <laughs> bit too much. But yeah. So uh, if I'm thinking of something. Cut some... the hand. Cut the hand. <laughs> yeah. There's a shark. Swim, swim. I can't, I forgot. Uh, but yeah, if we you keep drifting to the left, sharks do you're, that You're too. swimming in circles. You're swimming in circles, yeah. damn it. But yeah, if we think of such kind of skills that, you know, you meant as you mentioned the playing playing i i know that this is very common with instruments i know people that went to like uh musical schools for i don't know eight years mm. or whatever graduated in piano in violin and something and then if you ask them 10 years later oh play me something on the piano they would be like okay first give me the notes then when i check the whole sheet and i memorize everything i have to kind of re-remember how to position my hands how to like mm. sp make spread my fingers and stuff because i mm -hmm. guess a lot of that stuff is muscle memory and you lose muscle yeah. memory if you don't repeat that activity because yeah. i also remember gradually when I, 
yeah when when i was djing for a while like what three four years or something i was djing every friday and saturday and i could do it mostly i was sober because i hated being like drunk or whatever like even tipsy while i'm at work and it was work i was mm. getting paid for it and stuff but sometimes yeah. of course when it's a friend's birthday when it's some party when it's late in the night i would get tipsy or even drunk and i would never mess up anything like i would still match the beats perfectly i would still like press the right like buttons or filters or whatever because it was just i was kind of an autopilot my brain plus muscles wouldn't let me make a mistake because it's just mm. something that i've been doing for i don't know three hours every night, every Friday and Saturday, or maybe sometimes six hours or whatever. So I knew it so well that it became like an automated process. And uh, just recently, I think last week, I was with a friend, with a high school friend that uh, when, when we were in high school, we spent almost every evening after school in a, in a bar that had a, a table, like a billiard table. A pool, mm -hmm. like a what do you call it, eight ball or whatever, like a pool table, and yeah. uh, and on Sundays we would go there for the whole day. We would come there maybe at two p.m. and stay till ten p.m. So every day after school for let's say two hours, and Sundays for something like six or eight hours, we would be on that billiard table, and we were so good at playing billiards that. Because it's just, it's muscle memory and it's like once you learn where the ball is going to go and how it's going to bounce and how it's going to hit, it's just physics. And you kind of learn it to that, to that extent that you see the movement of the balls and like where it's going to go. And we would really play it to that extent that we would need no preparation, no calculation, nothing. We would approach the table, put the cue down, hit the ball hit it in the pocket, move away. It was just like, a, you know, it was automatic for us. Now, I haven't played billiards properly for, I don't know, 15 years. I play it every three months with someone who plays as bad as I do now. And we went to play billiards and my God, were we shit. Like, you know, <laughs> you, just, you just can't predict those things anymore. You don't have the feeling. Yeah. You don't have the uh, understanding of how hard should you hit something for it to oh it's just painful yeah. to to watch even it wasn't even fun because it's just like yeah. two you know very because you knew players. what you were capable of you yep. knew what you were capable of and you were not meeting that expectation i remember like yeah playing pool i i loved giving the ball like just the right amount of backspin so i could slam a ball into the pocket and then get the white ball to go backwards and hit another one sometimes even like you know you get a double shot just on the right amount of backspin but then now if i do it I, every single time i've tried and i have not tried in a long time i end up throwing that ball way off the table <laughs> like I, I i kick that ball off the table and i'm like how the hell did i used to i don't know how i did this like i, I used to be actually pretty decent with a backspin and now i'm like i i should keep away from that backspin i i will hurt someone i'm gonna hurt somebody with that backspin damn i spent five minutes talking about how i used to be a great billiards player and then you say that you casually just throw it in that you used to hit the ball so that it would backspin into another ball and i'm like what is this euro sport <laughs> espn shit <laughs> come on i've never even in my best days i could not do that what the fuck but yeah, it's it's with some of those skills that, well, mostly with the physical ones, I would say it's the muscle memory. And it's like once your brain automatically leads your muscles to specific like actions and dealing with those actions, then you can do it without much thinking. But as soon as you don't do it regularly, I guess, you know, the body forgets <laughs> as, yeah, as, yeah. as the body forgets everything. But then with some more, I would say, intellectual skills where you kind of learn something or 
practice it you also i think you maybe lose it even faster because oh, i would absolutely. say the, the body remembers longer uh than mm. because i haven't i used to play ping pong a lot as well table tennis and i do it maybe twice a year now but still it takes me five ten minutes to warm up and then suddenly my body knows how to position the racket to like do the spin to do the whatever but and i don't kind of i don't think about it i just do it backspin but, yeah, yeah, backspin as well. Yeah, but uh, see that—that's—that's—that's that's, that's where I'm like, what, what fucking backspin? You backspin a goddamn ping pong ball? Fuck you! Yeah, fuck you, you Mister you Showoff. You can, yeah, yeah. That's see that? No, that one. No, I could not slice it. Yeah, I, I could always slice it, slice ah. and dice, baby. Yeah, but when I think about some kind of stuff that I don't know, a job I had four years ago where I learned how to use some specific platform and I was really good at it and efficient at it, and I would do it in like five minutes if you gave me the same platform now fuck me i wouldn't know how to even start like where to open mm. the file what to like you know and it's the same thing with when we started doing this podcast so i don't know 15 years ago i was a musician and i was recording stuff and i was like uh, mastering and processing vocals a lot and it was like an easy process for me I understood like what is what which frequencies which kind of now when I started doing it for this podcast my god I had to watch like 10 instructional videos on YouTube like just how to <laughs> like remove the I don't know this sound or whatever so yeah it seems like you really do forget stuff and that's why I'm worried because I think comedy is a mix of those physical plus intellectual skills and yeah. it's more than one skill, right? It's not just, okay, just tell the joke. Like, it's not just, you know, some kind of voiceover or whatever. It's more like you need to be physical. You need to be confident. You need to radiate some energy and charm. You need to be quick and witty. A lot of my act yeah. is based on crowd work and banter. What if I lost mm. that? You know? Yeah. yeah. So a lot of your act is based on, like, physical expression mm -hmm. of, of the joke so yeah. what if you lost that what if you started acting something out but you're kind of not sure does it look good are you doing it right how do, do feel you look tilted yeah do you look like uh you know just too robotic too unrelaxed do you look too fake do you look silly yeah. goofy funny not funny in a good mm. way but like are you embarrassing yourself so <laughs> you know always yeah always so what, what actually, when you had such periods of not performing, did you have such doubts? Um, oh, yeah, I guess. Um, actually, it's kind of on a side note, slightly actually one of the guys in the open mic, one of the, the new guys I've kind of, I got to know that night and we went for drinks afterwards as well. Uh, Kirill, um, a Russian comedian um, who's doing stuff in, in English now, I guess. And what was interesting was when he finished his set, he had a pretty decent set. But he was like, mm, no, I didn't click with the crowd. Not like I did last Saturday. He's like, I did not click with them. I was just telling jokes. And that was, I found that was an interesting way of putting it. Like, you know, he's like, they were laughing, but it was because of the jokes, which some people would say, well, that's great. You know, my first thought was, what the fuck are you complaining about? That's what you want for them to laugh at the jokes. Like, so obviously he had good solid jokes and they laughed, but he wasn't happy because that will get you, for example, like 60% of your laugh. The other 40% is that charisma. It's the way you say it. It's the delivery. So he had material that worked, but he was not satisfied because he's like, I did not click with the crowd. I did not vibe with them. There was none of that boom. Like, you know, he was like, I got laughs, 
but they're not the last I want, or they should have been bigger, they should have been more frequent. And that is uh, the point. So like, yeah, when you're saying like uh, feeling that awkwardness, yeah, there is that kind of that awkward stiff feeling that you sometimes I, I can get, like I can feel, or if I'm just not having a good day, it doesn't even have to be because I haven't performed for a while. I just know that day I'm just not in the mood. And this is where I've said before, like the difference between a professional and amateur comedian, in my opinion, I still consider myself very much an amateur comedian because there are days that I arrive to the show where I'm not feeling it. And then I know I feel a bit stiff. Sometimes people can't tell from the audience. That's the best compliment I can get. It's like, oh, I felt really stiff and uncomfortable. Like, man, we didn't notice. Like you, you were great up there. Um, Great. Maybe that is a little bit of me becoming more professional in that sense and the way that I deliver stuff. But there are times I'm just not feeling it because I think, yeah, to be a real pro comedian, it, it doesn't matter if you're, you could be in the middle of a freaking divorce and you could still get up, kill that night, walk off and cry because reality, you know, you're back in reality. But while you're on stage, you can kind of ignore the the bad stuff, I, I think. But uh, I think that's the skill you need, especially as a touring comedian or anything like that. You know, like those people who do who are touring comedians, that's the the skin that you need, the thick skin where it doesn't matter what's going on in your personal life, doesn't matter how shitty your hotel room and how jet lagged or, you know, road lagged or whatever you are from from moving around. You can get up and you bring your A game. Uh so yeah, I just find that stiltedness though, yeah, it has happened and it feels weird. And this is where some comedians will have that drink before they perform, you know, to loosen them up, as they would say, which sometimes works, sometimes it just makes it worse. That's yeah. the tricky part. I'm thinking, for example, before this solo show that you're maybe thinking you marijuana, can... heroin, right? Really, really just, just every, go into that. Every so. morning, yeah. But uh, regarding yeah. this specific show, I'm thinking of having like at least one or two beers because it sometimes, you know, just calms down the nerves, even if it doesn't yeah. like physically, it does <laughs> mentally, like you feel like, okay, I've had a drink, I've calm down a bit, uh, whatever, yeah. whatever. But I also think it could be a risk because if I have those two beers and they do have an influence, like I become tipsy or whatever, it's going to be even harder for me to, you know, like mumble those jokes out and, and to, you know, <laughs> like have that edginess and, and sharp wit and everything I need to make yeah. my act kind of as I want it to be. And then if yep. we talk about this thing that, yeah, sometimes you're just telling jokes and sometimes you're really vibing with the crowd and doing it properly i i think it's that because now i'm going into the show and maybe into like fringe as well like a little bit i wouldn't say i'm scared but i'm a little bit like you know worried maybe or mm -hmm. or conscious of it you know and i'm thinking oh what if i forgot how to do it what if i mess up what if i don't remember the jokes what if i'm not quick enough to banter with the crowd and stuff so i, I i'm not really i'm excited i'm not like afraid of it otherwise i would cancel it and not do it but i'm still <laughs> a bit like you know worried about it but mm -hmm. i remember sometimes especially when you're kind of confident enough and you're like okay i'm gonna go on this stage and i'm gonna kill and i know it you're even like you can't wait to to scratch that itch you can't wait to be on stage mm. and i remember one show we did it was like a gong show and i've done only one of those i think it was a gong show and uh, we had like i think 10 comics apply for it and it was a mix of kind of experienced and new old jokes that work and new material that people are testing and stuff like this and there was a guy mm. that that appeared for the very first time to perform i think in english i think he's done some shows but in english it was his very first time kind of young maybe 22 23 year old tall very good looking guy and he's so not not either of us obviously yep nope no no, no. you're not talking about either of us <laughs> it was my arch nemesis and yeah. tall good looking guy yep that's it that that's him 
uh, and he came on stage and he did like five minutes about something like, oh, uh, my girlfriend this, my girlfriend that. It's so hard for me to find a good woman. I've been dating on Tinder, this and that. Just kind of like five minutes of material on relationships, but kind of like he was the, the victim, you know, oh, poor him, yeah. can't find a girl, this and that. And I remember during his whole performance and I was next, I was going after him and I was thinking like, okay, I really want to get on that stage. And I really, because he was doing all right. Like he got some laughs, he wasn't killing. Yeah. And I was like, I can't wait to get on stage and do my material. Like, just let me, mm. let me go on now. Let me kill. The let competitive me do it streak. Yeah. yeah. Your competitive streak came out. And you're like, I can fucking beat that fuck i'm gonna wipe the floor over his good looking tall ass i'm just gonna kick it all around the stage i fuck that little bastard yeah exactly you know like when when you that's why we when we talked about this before as well that's why we do fucking comedy because we have nothing else going for us so you know like i'm not tall and handsome and whatever young and successful i am funny so let me be funny that was my whole so he finished i came on stage i opened with look at this fucking tall handsome beautiful motherfucker complete go home why are you even here go home has have sex with your girlfriend there is like mm-hmm. five girls in this room and this is our only chance to impress one of them and you come here with your yeah. handsome face with your tall body and your okay jokes stop doing like this is the only thing we have get the fuck out of here you know like yeah. and, and people really like lost it because they felt the honesty <laughs> in my yeah. in my words i guess but yeah so that kind of that you know i can find that vibe i can match it and i can ride that wave of kind of just and you remember the last you were at the last show i've done so that was Mm -hmm. like three months ago it was my big kind of solo show that i've kind of uh, planned and produced and whatever and i think it wasn't the best show i've ever done but i think Mm -hmm. i was on in kind of a good place good mood good kind of yeah yeah and i think especially the what i love the most the crowd work and the banter and stuff really worked people were really up for it uh there were some moments of course where you know like i would ask a question and no one would answer or whatever but there were some people that are very interesting very kind of keen to join in and stuff and i really really enjoyed it and what if i can't do it anymore what if i say hello sir where are you from and someone says i'm from germany and i go ha Mm -hmm. germans right shit (laughs) <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So let's move on to the last stage then. What advice are you going to give yourself? Like, what are you going to do to try to rectify or remedy this situation? Is, do you think it'll be enough, for example, to, to stalk and stride in your bedroom in circles, talking and muttering to yourself like some sort of lost soul in the grips of madness or will you need to do something else we need to maybe even do for example an online mic you know which i know you're not a big fan of right now but you know it's it's sort of maybe it might be something that you should try to kind of get over it because maybe that that will at least give you a little bit of of at least saying out the jokes out loud to somebody even if all you get is like you know smiley emojis and thumbs up well that's actually a really good idea because i haven't even thought (laughs) of that and i know that there are some online shows still going on as kind of uh, the consequences of the pandemic but now i know that some 
kind of organizers and, and uh, even audience follow those things regularly because it's a chance to see comics and audiences from around the world. So why not? Sadly, I think most of them are still in the US, which is not a very favorable time zone for me because I would have to get up at like 5 a.m. to do one of those shows. But yeah. uh, why not? Just I mean, to do two or three. Yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, it's, it is a good idea. I haven't even thought of that because there is no actual other opportunity or chance for me to do a set before that show that that i have booked because uh, i'm now in a small town where there's no shows whatsoever i would have to travel to the capital to do some mics and it's kind of once a week or whatever so i would have to really time it with like my other stuff going on that i could make it and so there is yeah. really really low chance of me doing any live shows before that but an online mic or, or show could be a really good idea but what i'm thinking of maybe uh, just repeat the whole set out loud to myself in my room just to make sure that I still remember all of my jokes and all of my tags and all of the pauses and everything like this. First of okay. all, that I haven't lost the, the rhythm, the pacing, the beats, you know? So that's the first thing. Second thing is just go through my jokes because that's what I I, I opened my the list of my jokes today and there is, for this final show that I've done some months ago, there were maybe 20 jokes and already I'm looking at maybe five jokes on that list. And I'm like, what the fuck was this about? <laughs> like, what is, <laughs> what is this joke? What did, did, was this a thing that I, that, thank God I had to have a recording of that show as well. So I can rewatch it. Yeah. And I think I'll do that. And then for Fringe, what I've done is uh, I arrived there on Saturday for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I bought tickets to go and see some like famous A-list comedians. Because I think it's also like you see someone live, you see how they do it, and it kind of inspires you and, you know, gives you a template on how things should be done. So yeah. I, I, I'm really hoping that's going to jumpstart my skill as well. Like I'm going to see mm. people do it properly and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's how you do it. Like it's going to, yeah. you know, like refresh my memory and, and maybe reinstate my skill. Microphone to mouth. Got it. Microphone near the mouth. Yes, that's how you do it. Microphone to mouth sounds like another one of your weird <laughs> sex things, like fingering the A but not the C and whatever you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. So basically, you're going to start off with being the lost soul in the grips of madness is what you're going to start with in your bedroom. Uh, just ranting to yourself. That's your plan is to rant to yourself until you feel the rhythm or the groove. Well, yeah, my plan is I think maybe first I'll watch the recordings of those jokes that I have and then I'll try uh -huh. to practice Copy? doing them. Yeah, in that same way. Uh, maybe maybe I haven't forgotten them because some of those jokes I've been doing for seven years and I've done them a thousand times at least. And I don't think there is a way for me to forget how to tell that joke. It's maybe maybe I lost the, the pacing or something, you know, the... Yep the the performance part of course i know the joke i know the text of it i know the script of it but maybe i've lost the performance of it so that's mm -hmm. why but again it's not something you can really practice in, a, in an empty room because no matter how i do it here it's going to be good enough for me but would it be good enough for a room full of audience that paid money to see it well yeah. we shall see yeah yeah exactly exactly maybe another way you can also practice is by when you're performing you should have images uh like a what's it called a like a carousel like a slideshow right you get a slideshow of all these people's faces right like a close-up of the faces or audiences and but a mix so some of them smiling some of them frowning some of them looking disgusted and then you know they just randomly pop up and so basically it's about training yourself to not 
not basically fail when you see that disappointed, disgusted look on someone's face, especially if it's like, you know, an attractive woman's face or or like a big menacing guy's face. And when they look at you, to not lose the middle of your joke, to not be put off. Maybe that's another training skill you could use, like like sparring in a way. I'm already um, already using that said. one because now <laughs> I live very close to my family and I see disappointed faces constantly. And you right, know, right. and Good. also my, my friends are super Just throwing a joke now. Yeah, but also, since I don't have a chance to perform anymore, I've been mm -hmm. testing a lot of kind of small, stupid punchlines and jokes and setups and stuff on my friends, on my like personal friends that are not comedians yeah. and don't get, you know, that a comedian is always on, always in this banter mode and stuff. And sometimes they're like, dude, okay, the show is over. Shut the like, fuck okay, up. Okay, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're done. Like you've done, you've done your ten jokes a night. Can we now just like chill and not do stupid little puns and punchlines and setups and whatever? But I still right. do them because that's who I am. But uh, yeah, fuck so them. <laughs> in, yeah, and fuck them. In the lack of actual stages to perform, I'm now turning my personal life into one big stage. So, well, that was the other thing I was gonna say. Like for example, um, you know. Uh, sometimes in your workplace like the in your like your the lunch room or the staff room or whatever or you know places where you well might be you can get away a little bit but you know with your colleagues you can have a bit of that banter you can practice a little bit of that back and forth it's not the same as a stage but you know a little bit of like just getting like a practice saying one of your shorter bits or something you know yeah except i work remotely and we are all for remote and there are no colleagues in my home and we have mm. no like water cooler moments and kind of banter yeah. and jokes and you know what have you been up to yesterday oh blah 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 so i can only force people in like slack or some other like uh, formal yeah. kind of work channel to read my jokes or something so it's not yeah. really the same effect but yeah Actually, I had a funny experience the other day where there's a new guy who started at the school where I work at. Uh, he's the new drama teacher. And I hadn't told him that I do stand-up, but he found out later on, right? About after a week and a half or so, he found out that I did some stand-up. He's like, oh, you do stand-up? I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. And he was like, oh, that's really cool, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, oh, so, um, and he made some sort of remark like, oh, so you're not just a funny person. Like you actually do this as a thing. So obviously like I'd been cracking jokes and he just probably thought, man, this guy's like constantly just cracking jokes or like being a smart ass or whatever. And I'm thinking, do I, am I? Yeah, I think it is. I think it is a, lot, a big part of my personality. I'm, I'm constantly finding the little, the little funny side, the thing. I don't take anything too seriously, but at moments I do, but it's like, yeah, he goes, yeah, you're, you're constantly like making little quips and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I'm always practicing. Yeah, I mean, that's the we, way I think I figure it. Yeah, I'm always we, practicing. We talked about it also on one of the episodes when, like, being a comedian or something like this, when yeah. you know you're a comedian on stage, but you're also a comedian off stage and you know in your private life. And I really, I can tone it down. I don't think I can turn it off. I mean, I can turn it <laughs> off if there is like a serious conversation about some funeral. kind of, you know, yeah, whatever. Funeral, even, yeah. even at a funeral, I think I would crack a yeah. joke because nobody wants yeah. to, you know, be just sad and depressed and stuff especially we're just there breaking is... the ice yeah we're just breaking the ice we're, of course we're we're, of we're, course. We're, we're 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 seeing the elephant in the room and we just kind of you know we're in a way we're helping right no of course we are making horrible situations tolerable by sprinkling yeah. some humor and, and laughter on it but i mean I, exactly. I genuinely... and if you can't find using auntie maria as a ventriloquist doll i mean she's not going to put up a fight anymore she's obviously dead if you can't see the funny in that and you can't see and appreciate what we're trying to do then fuck you, you know, don't come to the funeral then. 
Of course. What the hell are like, you thinking? I mean, how is putting a Bluetooth speaker in a coffin and then playing "Please Let Me Out, Please Let Me Out" not funny? I mean, like how Hilarious. how would people That's not helping. laugh at that? That is helping. And, uh, that is helping people with their grief. Come on. Yeah, I mean, I he's not going to be less dead if we just have a joke about it, you know, have a laugh yeah. about it. But uh, no, but I mean, in general, yeah, I, I mostly just tone it down from, okay, this is a written bit to just kind of small jokes, buns, banter with friends or colleagues or, or whatever. And it does help maintain, like, you know, that uh, comedic muscle and, and yeah. slowly kind of, you know, flex it from time to time, not to, not to get completely uh rusty and uh what, what is the what is the condition when you're at atrophy, atrophy. when your muscles yeah yeah. The, atrophy. yeah yeah so i mean i i do try to do that and it's not even i don't try to do that it's just me i am mm-hmm. a comedian i just constantly like joke and and you know annoy people with that but yeah it's also a little bit different when you do it in private like personal capacity and when you have to get on stage people have yeah. paid for like good friday evening entertainment and you have to deliver on that so mm-hmm. yeah the pressure is still there but yeah yeah absolutely I, mm-hmm. I do believe that i mean i i will definitely try to get myself back in shape for those yeah. shows and you know like do some of those things that we've discussed like watch my old stuff go through my jokes practice it on my own maybe do some online mics etc but uh yeah, I do believe that it's one of those skills that you can forget. And if you don't do it regularly, you'll get rustier and rustier over time. And at some point, you just won't be good. Maybe you'll still be funny, but you won't be a good performer, good like stand-up yeah. act. What, what do you but think? I, well, I, I agree. And I think that um, it also depends on what level you have attained and what things like. If you were someone who did uh, you know, stand-up comedy for a year, then you don't do it for 20 years and you come back, of course, it's it's kind of like like relearning. You have to relearn everything from scratch. But if, on the other hand, you were a touring com- comedian and then you took a break for five years even, maybe it might take you a show to kind of get back into the group. I think within the first show or at the latest, the second show, it might take you to finally find that groove. On the other hand, if you're taking a longer break, it might take you a couple of shows. But it's something – so it's like riding a bike, sure, but I would say it's closer to like playing the saxophone. And it also depends on to what level did you achieve in the first place because it's something that you have to build up on. So it's not like riding a bike. Once you've learned how to ride the bike, the basics, that's it. You're done. I mean, unless you're doing backflips and you know, you're a trick, trick rider or something – no. Um, so this, I would say, yeah, I, I would go back to the analogy. It's more like, you know, uh, like playing the saxophone. It's depends on what skill you had. How long did you play it for? And then how long is your break? It depends on how long it's going to take you. I think for you, uh, I don't think, I think it's going to take maybe part of a show. I think within the first 10 minutes of doing a set, how long is your first set? The first show you're going to do? Uh, I don't know, an hour. Cause the first show an I'm hour? doing is like a solo show. Yeah. Yeah, well, then I think within the first 10 minutes, I think during the banter stage, during the crowd interaction, I think you've got to find your groove. You've got to find the crowd's groove, which is the most important thing. Uh, it might take, you know, rather than taking you like five minutes, it might take you 10, something like that, to find their groove. But once you've found it, I think you'll be fine. You'll get into it. You'll start telling jokes. I think if worse comes to work and you realize you're losing it again, I think you can always go back. And I think you are the kind of person you go back to the, to the crowd interaction, you find your footing again, and then you'll get right in. So yeah, I think you're going to be fine. 
I also think I'm going to be fine. Otherwise, I wouldn't be booking shows for myself if I think I'm absolutely, utterly shit now and no one should <laughs> come to see that or pay for it. It's just, you know, that kind of thing of when you haven't yeah. done something, you know, even uh, as you mentioned, I don't know, uh, fingering a C. If you don't do it yeah. for a while, you forget, we forget how to do it. Sex, you don't forget how to do it. You mentioned it. You don't forget how to do it, but you lose a bit of that confidence and, and uh, you know, like libido because you're like, mm, am I going to be how i'm gonna you know what i mean like you kind of you start questioning yourself and you get in your head and i'm afraid of that more than and you might accidentally elbow your partner once or knee them or something like that or step on something you shouldn't have but i think after the first once you find each other's groove and that's it you're finding each other's groove you once you're in it you're fine so after i i elbow or punch a couple of audience members i think i'll be fine in any case well, let's worst case scenario. I'm just saying, worst case scenario. You may not even elbow anyone. Oh, that's that's great. not the worst case scenario. Worst case scenario is like if I shit myself on stage or something like this. Elbowing oh. an audience member, that's fine. That's tolerable. Yeah. I'll just give them a refund and that's send them on their way. But um, yeah, so I mean, we're going to see in about a month uh, how it all went. And I'm pretty sure at some point after I'm back from Fringe, we're going to have an episode the, where like I will share the experiences and talk more yeah. about all of that. So uh stay tuned for that and if you haven't already subscribe and follow all of our social media we have facebook instagram twitter and we have obviously all the podcast platforms as well apple music uh, google podcasts what are some others Uh, all the others Uh, as well itunes spotify oh you can get spotify now i can't get spotify apparently unless i use a vpn Loser. Uh, yeah. So basically, find us on wherever you usually find us and subscribe to us there. Rate us. That really helps us go up in the charts. Absolutely. All right. Excellent. So thank you very much for joining us. I've been David Munoz. And I'm Igor Monday. Ciao. Goodbye.